Hey guys, it's Dana Seymour, your podcast editor. And before we get in today's podcast, I want to come back here and just talk to you a little bit about the free training resources we have available on our website. So whether you're struggling with anxiety, unforgiveness, your identity and calling, or weight loss, we have lots of resources to train your whole self. Back there under our freebie tab, you'll find that we have wonderful webinars. There are free workouts back there. There's a printable scripture calendar, which is amazing. We have an identity journal. There's a seven-day detox, and there's so much more. I will say my personal favorite is the forgiveness training. We use it so much in our house, and it has been such a huge benefit for our family and how we forgive, and we even use it with our staff. So it's something you definitely don't want to miss out on. So if any of these things spark any sort of interest for you, make sure you check them out on our website. Again, they're under the freebie tab, and I'll put a link below in the show notes. And remember, share it with a friend. And now for the good stuff. Today's teaching is actually a Facebook Live that Elisa did on Good Friday, all about anxiety and our kids. And as a mom of three, I can honestly say I never thought that I would have to deal with this stuff, but I feel like in today's world, it is so common for many of us moms and dads to see our kids just struggling. And here's the good news. If you don't have kids, this podcast is still for you. We would love for you to sit back, listen, take some notes, and learn something new. Let's get back to the biblical principles of what we need to root ourselves in. We hope you guys enjoy this episode and remember to share as always with a friend and we will see you next time. Be blessed. Peace. My name is Elisa Keaton, the founder of Revelation Wellness. So if you are seeing this, you maybe somewhere have become a follower or a fan of this page or someone has shared this with you. And so um, welcome. We're really, really glad you're here. Here's what we're going to do in the next 30. I might need about 40 minutes on this one. Um, we're going to talk about uh, anxiety and our, our kids, primarily our teenagers, but this will also work for you who will one day have teenagers, or if you are a teen, or if you don't have kids, but you are struggling with anxiety. Everything I'm going to share here today is going to be relevant, usive, and biblically endorsed. That's the good news. Um, because the world is going to have all types of teaching and, and information, and I'm not saying it's bad. It's just we want to root back to something that is eternal and long-lasting wisdom and truth, and that comes from the God who laid the foundations of the earth. So my name is Elisa Keaton, and whenever you see me on your Facebook feed, good morning or afternoon, um, where you guys are at, whenever you see me, I'm going to be talking all things embodiment, embodying the gospel, becoming love, becoming truth, becoming wisdom, kindness, gentleness, all these good things, and that is a journey that we are all taking, and it's definitely not a straight line. So it is my joy to get to be with you. All right, so I'm just going to jump in. I'm going to jump in, and if you show up here, and if you feel this is good content, if this serves you during the time you're here, if you if you at any point go, that is so true, would you just hit share? Would you hit share and send it out into the um, Facebook algorithm? President account for. Hi, Tracy. All right, it's Good Friday. We're doing a podcast on Good Friday. We're doing a teaching. Let's see how this goes. Um, first of all, I just want to say, let's take a minute. It is Good Friday to be reflective. I hope today and I know tomorrow tends to be a pretty deep reflective day. And um, it's part of the rhythms of life. 
So I guess that's what I'm going to jump in with and start with when it comes to um, anxiety. First of all, actually, let me say I am not a therapist. I am not an MD. I am a, a woman who knows the body from physicality. I am a fitness professional for over 30 years. So I, I know and understand the body and I understand we experience life because of this body. Now, a lot of things happen in our head emotionally, intellectually, things happen and we carry around a lot of stuff in our body. If anything, anxiety and depression, those are experienced because we have a mind-body connection. And I get to kind of approach any, in, any teaching to you from kind of the foot up, going from the body inward in a sense, because I think we're very keen and aware of what's going on with our body often. Um, because you feel anxious, you know you're anxious. Otherwise, you don't even know you're anxious. Can I get an amen? You feel anxious. And because of that, there's something to unearth. And so I'm going to purely approach this from also a side of a mom of two teens. One is about to turn 20, so I guess he won't be a, teen a teenager anymore. But a daughter who is a 17-year-old girl who has this anxiety. We have learned to not treat it like the enemy and start to say, what is it here to teach you? What is it? So I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but I'm saying that what I'm teaching you today is from what I know. I put this question back in our community page and we got a lot of people having questions about specifically um, their challenges with their teens or children with anxiety. First of all, we need to acknowledge it is on the rise. It is increasing year by year on year. And now that we have this completely different altered reality of not going to school or maybe going to school or kind of online school, um, a pandemic, masks on, masks off, we're kind of starting to come out, but we are not gonna be the same people that went in. Plus, you have a very highly saturated social media uh, atmosphere that I didn't grow up in. Can I get an amen? Like, did do you remember when you grew up? Like, could you imagine what life would be for you if you had a Snapchat or a Instagram where everyone is connected all the time and sharing all their highlight reels? And uh, I mean, their brains are so not ready for the amount of information they're receiving. So first thing you need to know, there's a grace for it. There's a grace for it. You have not, there's no mistake that you are the parent of the child that you have. That is not a mistake. And God chose this time in this season for you to be the parent of the child that you have. That is really, really important to crack that open so that we can go, okay, this is not a surprise to God. And this is not a time in the earth to, to try, and, um, uh, try and fight <laughs> what we're against or, or be, we have to just become more aware. And how do we be present and be detached without amputating, if that makes a sense. There is a sense of we want to be separate. That's why the Bible says to be holy, set yourself apart. So be separate, but don't amputate yourself and try to anesthetize yourself from the experience that we're having. There is a grace for it. Okay, so I'm going to jump in. Here we go. Let's first talk about just the definition of anxiety. I've got the definition according to the Encyclopedia of Psychology. Ready? Here's the definition. And anxiety is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. Okay, so a feeling, 
that also then produces a physical experience like increased blood pressure or increased heart rate or nauseous stomach or um, my, my daughter will get so anxious to the point if she's walking, her legs will start to collapse. It's like her muscles start to, she's overwhelmed. It's that overwhelm of information and um, an emotion that are coming together and overwhelming the system. Uh, people with anxiety disorders usually have recurring intrusive thoughts or concerns. They may avoid certain situations out of worry, right? They may avoid certain situations out of worry, which only then perpetuates the problem. This is why exposure therapy is often really a big thing. Like you have to step into the thing that you're anxious about. So, um, but instead anxiety gets you to avoid, to pull back. Hello. Hi, Kelly. Um, but they may also have physical symptoms such as sweating, trembling, dizziness, or rapid heartbeat. Okay, so that's the definition of anxiety from the Encyclopedia of Psychology. I want you to notice it is not the same as having a blocked artery, which you can actually see. There's a blocked artery, there's plaque, and there's potential for a heart attack, and that might be why you have high blood pressure, um, feeling lethargic or tired, uh, exasperated heartbeat. So that's actually something is actually blocking. The thing about anxiety is it's just an experience. It's a perceived. It's this there is no, hey, let's go in surgery and let's put in a stint and open up your mind so that you're not anxious, right? This is why it's more of a, a psychological thing. So when we diagnose it, it's very different than when you get a diagnosis like um, that can be bodily measured and can also be addressed. Now, let's talk about the biblical definition of anxiety. You ready? This is from um, Bible study tools.org. Anxiety is, according to the Bible, is an uneasy feeling of uncertainty, agitation, dread, or fear. The most common words in scripture translated as anxious or anxiety are the Hebrew word. So this is what's cool. that Scripture actually talks about this. This is pretty amazing that this is a human experience. This is a collective experience. Anxiety has been around since the dawn of time. We're just now able to start putting words around it and go, oh, you too, you too, you too, and we're experiencing it at a higher level. So scripture had the word for it as anxious or anxiety in the Hebrew is degai or deaga. I'm probably butchering that. And the Greek word mermina. And, and the Greek word, if you keep seeing anxious when um, Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, it actually is to cut into pieces. And I love that because as a woman who is is talking a wholeness gospel, a wellness gospel, everything has is working in accordance to what it needs to be. When you cut something into pieces, you're separating it into parts. And as soon as you separate something, here's what you need to know. Biblically, that's when you know an enemy is present. Anywhere there is separation, there is an enemy. There is a kill, kill, steal, and de destroy tactic going on. And that is just a human existence. If you're human, you have spirit, experienced separation of some kind, anxiety that comes with it, and the fear and the worry. That's why love is this pure, the, the, the presence of all things in peace and harmony. Uh, fear is the separation from love. That's why the Bible says that love chases out fear. Love pushes out. Love actually brings us together if we're feeling anxious and separated. In the Bible, anxiety is frequently 
depicted as the common human reaction to stressful situations. That is so cool. Like the Bible's actually saying, like you read in the Psalms, David is anxious. He gets scared because he has an enemy, someone who's literally trying to kill him. I don't think if you're living in a free land today, you're not worried about someone showing up at your door and killing you. It's not a rational anxiety. If you thought about it enough, if you gave that a lot more attention, then you probably would start to have, think that it could happen, but you're not worried about it. It's not happening to your neighbor. It's not happening around you. But in the Bible, in the biblical and in um, antiquated times, that this was a reality. There was war. There was bloodshed. You could die. There was enemies. You're trying to take land. You're trying to figure out how to take dominion and hold peace. So Bible talks about anxiety as it is a human reaction to stressful situations. And I'll close with this. Freedom from anxiety. This is what the Bible, this is from a study commentary. Freedom from anxiety begins with the confession. No, sorry. Freedom from anxiety begins with confession that is not God, that it is not God's will. When you can confess freedom, so if you want to get free from anxiety, this is from a biblical place. The world is not going to tell you this. Your psychologist that isn't thinking holistically, mind, body, soul, spirit, is not going to tell you. They're probably going to give you some steps and some tools and some things to kind of go through cognitive behavioral therapy. They're all good, and I'm not here to bag on them. I'm actually here to say, Use them, but they cannot ultimately set you free. They cannot set you free. So freedom from anxiety begins with confession that it is not God's will. That when you are anxious, you are outside of God's will. You are outside of the holy place where things are whole. Holy and whole, wholeness, they're one. So you've got to be able to confess, oh, I am not in God's will right now. And whenever we are outside of God's will, we can... Rest assured, we are one step away from another poor choice or another poor choice, and it snowballs in the wrong direction. When we notice that we're anxious, then we can turn and get back into God's will. What is God's will for your life? Well, according to 1 Thessalonians 5, is it 5.16? Or 1 Thessalonians 5 says to rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks, <laughs> like without ceasing. Pray without ceasing and give thanks. This is God's will for your life. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Rejoice that God is who he is. Come on, it's Good Friday. Rejoice. I know it's terrible Friday. It's weird that we call it Good Friday. Jesus goes to the cross, but that is good news because we are going to be resurrected. He conquers sin and death. This is a good day, but that doesn't mean there wasn't bad news. So we have to be, okay, even in bad news, I can redirect myself back into the will of God where all things are as they should be. Shalom. In fact, anxiety is a subtle insinuation that God is either unable or disinclined to see our welfare. You guys need to hit share now. Let's go. We're in the show. Hit share. Anxiety is a subtle insinuation that God is either unable or disinclined as if mm, you're bothering me as if to say not worth it. That is, it's a subtle insinuation against God. It's an accusation against God. It's an affront. You're starting to build a wall against God when we are anxious. Now, again, we're not doing it often consciously, but we need to be aware this is starting to happen. I'm being separated and there's a wall pushing me away from this presence of God that I would feel disconnected and that he would be disinclined to help me. 
Other remedial measures, including recognizing the futility of worry. So the Bible says you're going to need to recognize worry. Matthew 6, 27 and Luke 20, 12, 25 talk about that, that it is remedial or it's futile message. It's, it's small unless you can recognize the futility of it. You have to recognize how small it is. Um, you also need to cultivate a growing understanding of God's power and fatherly disposition. We're going to come back to that because I'm going to get ready about talking about our teens. We have to be able to grow an understanding of God's power and fatherly disposition. In other words, he's a good father. Okay, what I'm feeling is not good, but God is good. His disposition towards me is good. His, he is kind on me. He has favored me. He is a stronghold. I can take refuge in him. He is a good father. That is his disposition towards me. Entrusting to God that things, things that we cannot control, we need to do that in anxiety, and increasingly view things in an eternal perspective, and substituting prayer for worry. Okay, so this is what, this is, the Bible has all these remedies. Again, the world will say, maybe take a pill, and I'm not against pills, I'm not against them at all, I'm not against when medication is needed. But if we go to medication without actually addressing these core tenets of what is in you, then it's building a house on sand. At some point, you know, it'll all fall down and you'll have to rebuild. And this is where we rebuild. So let's review. We have to deal with this insinuation or this quiet attack that God is not good or wants to help you. We have to recognize that it's worry is futility. It doesn't do anything. Who can add a day to their life with this? Okay. We have to grow in an understanding of who God is in his power and a good father. This is wanting to cure anxiety. Uh, and trusting, we got to trust God with the things we cannot control. Hello, how many things in life are you not going to be able to control? There's just too much. I am so, this is my deal. I am quick to try and control. I want to control things. I just feel it. I am, it, that's my prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. I when I don't have control, my first, my reaction is control, not soften even more. And then view things in an eternal perspective. It will pass. This is not real. There's reality that is really real. That is the kingdom. And then there's my experience. And then having substituting prayer for worry. That's what the Bible would say. So if you came to me and you want to have worry, these would be the things. Let's work on these things. Not, and now let's. Let's just do some, some head or mental gymnastics. No, let's think about these things. If you notice, they all are in line of God and his word. All right, so now let's jump into our kids. I had to lay that down because we had to go, what is anxiety? What does the world say? What does the Bible say? And now we can get practical with this concept of our kids, teens, and anxiety. Did you know I said that this uh, subtle accusation on God and his fatherly disposition that you don't think God is good towards you or going to come and rescue you because maybe your earthly parents or earthly father didn't help you to deal with the trials that you had or you felt alone in life for whatever reason. And I don't care. You could have the best parents in the world and somehow you'll still, there's an accusation that you're still alone. This disposition fatherly disposition. Before we talk about our kids and what we can do for them, this is, a, this is a key point. You have got to do your work. You, parent, have got to do 
your work. Before you start trying to solve their problems with anxiety or solve the issue of their anxiety, you have to do your work first. Otherwise, you will parent from fear. And that is just perpetuating the cycle of anxiety in the relationship. And anything built on fear cannot last. It will backfire. So do your work first so that you can be there for your child who is having this experience or perception that things could go wrong. I know for me with my daughter, it snags me. When she gets anxious, it's like a little bit of a cyclone or a little tornado going around. And if I get too close to it, it'll suck me up and we're, we're both in this anxious spin. And I have learned through the years, oh, I have to do my work. What she is experiencing is real for her. But I need to be able to hold true to what I just learned about, wait, God's fatherly disposition is good towards us. Oh, we actually think that we have control here. He does. Oh, we are accusing God of not being good. I've got to do that. That's that whole, you know, put the oxygen mask on you first before your child. Parents, you have to do your work. So what does that look like, Elisa? How am I to do your work? First thing, when your child is in an anxious moment, come on, this is where we start taking notes. When your child is in an anxious moment, you have to be present. And P.S., this starts in your own personal practice of do you have a practice of presence? Do you practice stillness, quiet, meditation, biblical meditation? Not the same as studying the Bible. It's not the same as quiet time because a lot of times we're very busy in our quiet time, writing, da 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 da, da and we're, we almost kind of make it about us. We're, we're like eating, eating, eating. What stillness and meditation is, is digesting. You actually now become calm. You didn't just learn about calm. You didn't hear about calm and read about it and go, oh yeah, that's a good idea. You have to process the knowledge. And process that knowledge comes in a practice of being still, meditating, envisioning out, also getting real honest. Like I'm falling short as a parent. God, give me a vision for who I am to be when my, my kid is starts spinning in anxiety. Do y'all get this? The Bible... Your pastors aren't teaching you this. <laughs> you know, this is where we have to be practical. We have to embody what we read. So you have to have your own practice of presence so that when your kid's cyclone starts going, you already have trained for this. If you don't do that, you cannot help them. You will get caught up in it. And I love, it's uh, Gloria Copeland says, fear for our children is the beginning of their destruction. When we fear for our children, it's the beginning of their destruction. So we have to deal with the fear that's inside of us. So many of us Christians walking around angry, fearful, and shameful. And we have got to do the work. Do the work so that we are in line, have sought perfect peace, are holding perfect peace so that we can come to the aid of those who are hurting. So that's the first thing. Do your work. That means the first thing is you have got to be present. You've got to learn how to be a person of presence. You have got to have a practice presence. I would encourage our Be Still and Be Loved podcast on our, on our podcast. So swipe up there. Go listen. If you're not connected to, if you don't, you've got to just sit and let the word come upon you and over you so that you become the word, not just more information about the word. Sundays at church, there's often a lot of information about the word. 
which is why they often do song and singing for worship because it should allow you to process the word. So a lot of churches, not a lot, but a few churches are kind of quick to go, we'll put the worship on the back end because now that we've given them the information, let's actually let them process what they've learned and sit in it and saturate it and then go out into the world. It's pretty smart. Okay, I could talk about this all day. Second, um, do your work, parent. First, we got to start with you. Let peace be your umpire. Christy says that the beasts of the beloved have changed her life. Yeah, amen. It's so true. We don't need more information about the scriptures. We are not perishing from information or lack of information about the scripture. We are perishing from lack of intimacy, period. We're people running around with our swords cutting ears off because we're ah, so afraid. So let peace be your umpire. Number two, let peace be your umpire, parents. You, that means, what's an umpire? They call the shots, right? Ball goes, strike. Ball goes, mm. nope, walk. Foul. What is it? If it's not a strike, what is it is it if it's not a strike? Someone tell me. It's been a while since I've played softball. If it's not a strike, anyways, you know what I mean. Nope. Your, your peace calls, what is this? Oh, this is true. This is, this is the word. This is the way. Walk in it. Nope, that is not true. Let peace be your umpire of what you, what, who calls the shots. Was this a personal attack on me? Well, maybe, but they're having a bad day. Ball. Thank you. It's a ball. Strike, ball. Strike, ball. Exactly. Let peace be your umpire. It goes back to, but I can tell you these things, but unless you experience peace, you are a man or a woman who practices peace, you're not going to know how to let it be your umpire. You have to be so aware of, and let me encourage you, the next time, go out today, and you can manifest peace by go outside. It's a beautiful day here in Phoenix. And go out, no headphone, leave your phone inside, just you go outside your front door, Turn your face towards the sun. Close your eyes, just stand there. If it's a nice day, which it should be nice for most of us now, let the sun hit you and feel, feel peace, breathe. And then clock it into your mind as this is how I'm called to live all the time. And then you can even begin to think through the scenario, which usually maybe triggers your child or triggers you into anxiety, into a perception that things could go wrong, Think through that and see yourself holding peace inside that cyclone of crazy. You guys, vision is a big deal. When we can be envisioning what we want for the future, how we're called to participate, your mind doesn't know the difference between a vision and what is real. It truly doesn't. If you have enough, if you've got enough vision and goal and dream, your mind will think you're already there. So the next time you're in it, you'll know exactly what to do. There's actually been studies about people who practice the piano and people who, who close their eyes and see themselves practicing the piano. And at the end of the day, the people who see themselves practicing piano can do just as well, if not a little better than those who actually practiced. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say about that. You have to let peace be your umpire, but you can't do that unless you are taking it in and having a vision for your life as a peaceful man or woman. Number three, this is the final for you doing your work. Exactly what I said with that Gloria Copeland quote. If you participate with fear, 
in any way, you are building on sand. Don't forget what kingdom you belong to. You belong to a kingdom of faith. Faith. You belong to a kingdom. Repeat after me. I belong to the kingdom of faith. My daughter belongs to the kingdom of faith. My son belongs to the kingdom of faith. My children, we belong to the kingdom of faith. We do not fear. If you are feeling fear, notice it and know that anything you act upon inside of that will only perpetuate more crazy in your home. <laughs> this is where we go, no, no, no. You have to do your work. All right, I'm done there. I'm going to get off of us, but it's a big deal. Don't you all agree? You have to do your work. Now, let's take the oxygen mask and we can put it on them. Now, here's how you're going to show up to your child when they are experiencing an anxious moment. At your best. You're not going to get this right all the time. I still don't, but I can tell you I'm way better. I don't want to give the enemy an inch because he will take a yard and he will strangle it around our necks and then we're all caught up. I don't have time for it. So here we go. Um, what you will do for them, how to help them. You ready? Here's how to help them. I use the acronym. I've used this in a lot of places, but it, it applies here too. Learn with two R's. L-E-A-R-R-N. Learn. Okay, write that down. So first thing, the L stands for listen. When they are in an anxious moment, listen. Just listen. I know it's hard. And it's hard for me because I'm like, that's just stupid. Why are we worried about that? Come on, come on, come on, come on. How many times are like, why are you worried about that? That's so dumb. No, that's like the worst thing we can do is try to convince them how irrational they're being. You, you cannot rationalize crazy. You can't. Not saying they are crazy. I'm saying the enemy is crazy. He's just chaos and confusion. You cannot run. When someone has is in that tailspin, just listen. Listen to what they're trying to say. So this is why James would say quiet to speak or quick, quick to listen and slow to speak. Slow, slow, slow. So just listen to what they have to say. Let them say their words, whatever it is they need to see. Um, let them talk to you and you need to listen without panic or loss of peace. You're not trying to fix it. You're not trying to do anything. You're just going to let them express. Now that's the L. So first starts with listen. Everyone take a minute. See yourself as the parent listening to your child. Go. See them all nervous. See them yelling, crying, whatever they're doing, whatever they're doing. See yourself listening. Okay. The next thing, and it's one of my favorite, number two. Oh, if we could just get this one right. The E, empathy. You have to have empathy for what, this is one you want to remember. They're teenagers. <laughs> they're kids. They do not have fully formed brains. They don't have the resources like you and I have. They don't have life experience. They're just walking through it. Remember, empathy has the ability for you to remember when you struggled too, when you were 17, when you were 12, whatever it is, when you were, you have to have empathy. People with empathy are people who can get into the foxhole with someone, not stand outside the foxhole and say, well, that really sucks down there. 
sorry about that. That's not empathy. That's sympathy. Sympathy like, oh, I'm sorry about that, but I'll be up here. No, empathy goes, let me get into their shoes. That's why I'm convinced if you knew everyone's story, end world, world wars would end. If we knew everyone's story and could empathize with everyone's story and everyone's story felt like it was heard and world wars would end really do. Okay. Empathy. That's the E. A. It stands for acknowledge. Acknowledge what you are hearing them say. So after they have talked and you have listened and you have kept the brain of empathy on, which this is why you got to do your work ahead of time. You cannot show up to the chaos if you haven't found your ability to find this place. Acknowledge what you hear from them and let the, it lets them know they are heard. So you're saying, you're kind of repeating back. Um, for example, my daughter started a job last night. It's her first job. <laughs> first job. And she, it's, she's so anxious about this job. She really loves to get things right. She doesn't like to make mistakes. And so she was getting ready to go to work. I just went in and I sat there and I just listened. I wanted to list out the things. Don't forget to do this. And if this happens, don't forget that. And this, you know, it's kind of like patting their face and clean. No, you got to stop, especially when they're becoming teens. It's time to loosen the apron string some and just listen. So I just listened to her and I said to her, I bet it feels really overwhelming. Yep. And then she's like, I'm worried about all the things I'm going to have to learn. And after I empathize with her, then I acknowledged how capable she is. Like, I bet you're going to do great. Sophia, you have been, have a very good memory. Remember when you could remember all this information that you told me back um, when I was asking you the other day, like I, I have to um, acknowledge what she is experiencing and try to um, let her, let her know she's heard and acknowledge also who she is as capable. Acknowledge, acknowledge, acknowledge as much as you can. Don't try to fix anything. You're not acknowledging what you know or acknowledging what you have to bring. You're just acknowledging them. You're seeing them. You're hearing them. That's really important. The fourth thing is to help them self-regulate. Um, that's part of this acknowledge part. Um, well, I think I lost my place. Oh, no, that is the R. L-E-A-R, so self-regulate. So here's what I'd say. If someone, if they're still going in their anxious moment and you've been listening and you've been acknowledging and they're still feeling it, what can you do to shift and go into some type of self-regulation mode for them? So sometimes I'll ask my daughter if she wants to go for a walk. Do you want to go for a walk? Or do you want me to, do you want to do some breathing? There's been stuff, you guys, with teaching five-year-olds this little, it's called starfish breathing. If you have five-year-olds, teach them starfish breathing. Take their hands, they go wide. You can have them inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. You just teach them how to, how to self-regulate. So anything to help them get back into their body. Go for a walk, maybe bounce a ball or, or throw a ball. <laughs> throw a koosh ball, something that kind of helps to unwind any type of overstimulation that they have going on. 
Um, playing catch, we do that a lot in our house. Or again, going for a walk, bilateral stimulation, or just kind of moving in some way, or even just getting into their breath. I'll encourage Sophia to do a meditation or some breathing, or maybe just take some time to journal. This is the good place to start doing the CBT if they are in therapy, the cognitive behavioral therapy, like writing some things down because you can't access it for them. They have to to be encouraged to get to, to some regulation place. So that's the first R. Then you have the second R is now, once all that's happened, you've listened, you've empathized, you've acknowledged, you've encouraged them for any self-regulation they can do, then if it's available, you can help to redirect. You can help them to redirect into what is true, not maybe what is maybe. What is true? Redirect, this is where you get to parent, but don't use a lot of words. Redirect back into, man, I'm positive that you're going to come through this just great. I bet that this is going to work out. I bet to, I, I guarantee we're going to wait and see, and I'm going to be praying, and I am certain that you are the girl who can do this. Those type of redirect into truth, that's your time. And then finally, if you can't even do that, if you can't get to self-regulation or regulation, the R, or help to redirect, because those are kind of maybe that's not going to happen, here's jump to N, and that stands for non-negotiable love period. Non-negotiable love. If you do anything else but leave their presence or let them know, I am, I love you. I am not, I'm not going anywhere. You want, I'll be around. I'll be right here. I love you. Period. Non-negotiable. Not if you do this, if you can get out of this cycle, then our love will be restored. Non-negotiable love all the time. You choose relationship over being right. That is the acronym for LEARN. Now, practical things you can do. I'm going to wrap it up with this. Practical things. Those are like kind of thought things you got to think through and apply with your biblically peace being your umpire of your mind. Then you can show up and learn with them. The next thing as a parent to think about is food. <laughs> Consider what the your shelves stocked with a lot of preserved foods, processed foods. It is not great for their anxious brains. It does increase inflammation and anyone with inflammation on their brain will have a hard time self-regulating and making good choices. So again, guess where that comes back to? Do your work. If you're sitting around eating Ho-Hos and Cheetos and all those things and having pizza and burgers every night, so are they. And oh my, I don't even know how this, this energy of anxiety will just continue to go. Once the parent makes the choice to say we, not to say food is bad. My kids still have spicy Cheetos and all those things, but it's, it's not a staple in our house. It's, it's, we make sure that as long as they're under my roof and pretty soon they're going to both be in their own roof, figuring it out for themselves. And I will be learning a lot, listening a lot, praying a lot. There is nothing I can do. They will be free to go and do as they wish. But the Bible does say, train them up in the way they, are, they should go. And when they're older, when they're on their own, when they're having to regulate for themselves and everything comes down, they will return. So food, down with sugar food, like try to keep the processed foods and sugars down and increased whole, whole food in your house. Um, the next thing, practical, 
sunshine and movement. Okay, that's why going outside for a walk, my daughter will shift. She'll shift, even if she doesn't want to go for the walk. Go outside, shift sunshine and movement. Any type of irregular or trying to encourage them to have movement. If you're moving, they will generally move. Um, that's, that's a practical, we know that. People exercise, anxiety and depression goes way down. Uh, sleep, <laughs> encourage good sleep. I know you can't really regulate it. That's their, their, their teen. But if you got a child, go do your best to keep them on a really healthy sleep routine. Everything starts from sleep. Uh, number 10 is there are supplements. Now, I can't believe I'm talking supplements, but I want to talk supplements because they do help. Um, there are, there's backed research for it too. Uh, omega-3. Omega-3, make sure it's an EPA and a DHA. Omega-3 is known to help the brain. Their brains, remember, anxiety is, a, is happening in the brain. It's happening those thoughts are firing up and overworking certain parts of their brain. Um, that's why if you have inflammation, it's harder to shut that electricity down. But if you have omega-3, it's, it's really good fats. And our brain needs good fats, period. Your brain needs good fats to think and feel well. So omega-3, consider that. And here on the supplements, these are not like magical. It's just they should be getting good omega-3. We should all be getting some good omega-3 anyway, so um, it couldn't hurt. Um, vitamin B and vitamin D. Vitamin D goes back to that sunshine thing, getting outside. It's really hard to be depressed when you have that outside experience. This is why outdoor therapy works for a lot of people. It's that place of deep calls to deep, being outdoors. So vitamin D and vitamin B can be helpful. Look into Talk to your own holistic providers or doctors about how much they should be having. And always a multivitamin, a good quality multivitamin. Could not hurt. All right. There you have it. Those are the practical things. And in the end, I want to say this. We're going to make it. <laughs> We're going to make it, everyone. We're going to make it. Our children are not a surprise to God. The time we are living in, they're not a surprise to God. You let peace be the umpire of your heart. Do your work. You cannot count on them. You cannot look to them to give you your cues for life. You can't. They'll trigger you, and then that's your, oh, I got to do my work. I have to continue to do my work. This is not an uncommon thing. We're all in this together, and God has given us a grace for this. He has chosen us as parents at this time period. You're going to make it. The more we get anxious about it, the more we feed the machine and the crazier our homes get. It's not irresponsible to say, that's what happens. We think if I pull away, I'm being irresponsible. No, you're actually, you're, you're taking care of yourself to have sure-footedness because this all comes down to a faith thing. When we are anxious, when our children are anxious or we are anxious, we are elevating the problem over the provider, period. All of us do this. I do it. I had to repent just recently of the idolatry of wanting my daughter to be well or wanting her to not hurt. And, and that's a thing. The Lord uses those relationships, especially with our children, to continue to refine our hearts. And it helps us to remember, this is how much he loves us. How I feel and would do anything for her, that is how he feels towards us. And even more. So we have to disconnect from the idolatry of our children, right? 
He gives and takes away. I know that's a rough one. This is why Abraham with Isaac on the altar, that's a big deal. We have to remember it. That's why Jesus says, unless you hate your mother, your brother, your own, you cannot follow me. It's a big statement. But all that statement does is it allows us to be free. And to remember, this world is not our home. You're not living for us you to be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything, Paul says. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. Prayer. <laughs> and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding and becomes the umpire of your heart, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Especially, you guys, as they get older. I'm talking to my friend Jody Brent. Y'all know Jody Brent. You should buy her books. She has books called Praying the Scriptures over your children, praying scriptures over your marriage, praying the scriptures over your, she's coming out. I think she just did her teenagers one. She did pray the scripture. Like in the end, I know it doesn't sound very like <laughs> strong, but all you have is prayer. That's it. You just, especially as they get older and older and older, you, you don't have, you can't tell them to go to bed and tell them what to eat all the time. You, you don't, make the meals all the time. They have autonomy and agency and you want that for them because they will know God for themselves. Hang in there, everyone. Jody Brent, B-R-E-N-D-T, Jessica. Yep. All right. Let me pray. Deep breath, everyone. Thank you, God. Uh, thank you. We do thank you for our children. We thank you that we are here still and parenting and, and connected to them in relationship, that they are safe, that they are ours, they are here, God. Thank you that you give them breath, you give us breath. Thank you that you're holding us together. Thank you for salvation. Thank you that there is salvation in our homes. Thank you that there is truth in our homes, there's love in our homes, there's forgiveness in our homes, there's repentance in our homes, there's a desire to humble ourselves and continually learn and to do our own work. Thank you. That is a gift from you, God. We could not manufacture that on our own. It's that gift of humility that you give us through grace. And now, God, we turn in um, our eyes and our prayers towards our children, towards this time on the earth that you know the stresses and the strains that we feel, God. Um, you have felt them all. You feel every ache and pain in us, Lord, and you are with us. So we thank you. So God, we turn our attention towards anxiety, how it would come against us or our children. Right now, we bind it in Jesus' name that we will not be the people who give the enemy ability to use the weapon against us. We will not load his gun with bullets. God, we are people of peace. And in the end, we come fully to you, fully alone. We cannot drag our children into the temple, nor our husbands or our spouses. And so we repent of trying to get everything the way we want it. We repent of our Martha heart. And so we sit at your feet as a Mary to adore you. That adoration is eternal. That will go on and on. And we are only passing through this world. And although we will have trouble and anxiety in this world, we take heart because it is Good Friday. And then you give us a reason for a resurrection every day of our life. We need 
a reason for a resurrection. And anxiety in our homes is one of them. So in Jesus' name, come clean, sweep our homes. Start with us. Give us new thoughts. Give us higher thoughts. Give us better thoughts. Give us the integrity of stillness and quiet to seek you, to find you. Change our inner being because your word has stood up on the inside of us. Our children are not mentally disabled, God. They are not going to be mentally harmed by this. They are, it is being used for their good. You're answering our prayers. It's all you know to do, God. You only answer prayers. You hear us, you see us, and you love us. Thank you, God, for this time. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.